Hey, what's going on? How are you doing today? I, I really hope this week you were able to focus on the word rest, R-E-S-T. My pastor uses the acronym for releasing every single thing. That's something that I had to really be intentional about this week. I had my meeting with myself, you know, I, on the 15th, I had my meeting with myself and I was realizing that I was getting away from my normal sleep pattern and not getting enough. And I was kind of just barely getting by. And if you remember, if you tuned into the, the non-diet space with Dr. J, you remember he said, you know, when things get crazy and things get busy, the first thing that tends to drop is always the physical activity or working out or, or all of those things. And that's kind of what happened, but with intention. And I said, you know, I'm going to take off from working out this week and I'm going to sleep. And I was able to get myself back onto my normal sleep pattern. So I'm excited about that. But now moving forward, I'm going to make some additional adjustments to kind of keep myself where I am. So just sharing that with you to say when your body is is telling you that you need the rest, listen to it, give it what's it, give it what it needs so that you can continue moving forward. Because it's not about why your body is feeling so tired. As I said, in the self-care space, it is answering the question, why does my body need so much rest? Well, okay, there's the unpopular opinion for today's episode. Well, there's going to be a whole lot more coming, but thank you so much for tuning in and pressing play. It's Nash here, and it really has been my privilege to be the host of this conversation space, uh, podcast, whatever we're calling it here, the URC space, where we are intentionally unboxing our lives one blank space at a time. And for many of you who've tuned in, you have had an open heart and an open ear with the different spaces that we have gone into. We have gone into the vision space. We've talked about isolation. We've been in the non-diet space. We were in the man cave space last week. And today we're going to be in the Christian space. Now, I know when I say the word Christian, like I said last week with Tim, when he was here with me in the studio, when I say the word Christian, it can be a trigger and it can make people just want to shut down, shut out. Oh, don't want to listen to that. Oh, don't want to tune in. Oh, can't hear what he has to say. But I just want you to know that I think by this point in our relationship, we've built a, a pretty good rapport. Here we are in, you know, week nine or episode nine of the first season. And I've shared a little bit about myself and the different intersections of myself and, you know, Christianness, my blackness, my millennialness, my maleness, my singleness, all of those uh, intersections are just very, they're just intertwined with everything that I do. And today I'm just going to go a little bit deeper into just my faith and the Christian space. And I find it to be very appropriate as Easter is right on the cusp and we're getting ready to celebrate Easter here in the States. And I just wanted us to have our own conversation here. The funny thing about this episode is originally this was the very first script that I wrote for this season. And when it was time for this one to launch, which was originally supposed to be the season premiere, this was supposed to originally premiere in January. I just, it just did not feel right. It just didn't feel like this was the conversation that needed to start the show off. So I hope you're seated or I hope you're in a place where you can relax, you can breathe in because we're going to be digging into some deep areas today. Specifically, I know that I have a number of listeners who tune in who are not uh, Christians or who do not proclaim to be a Bible-believing Christian. And I really feel that this episode is for those who have had experiences with Christians or who have had experiences with church or who grew up in religious environments and have found themselves questioning and who have found themselves reconsidering it all. And 
I hope that today's episode, you will find some relatability with some of the questions that you may have, with some of the the doubts that might be in your heart. And I just pray that God just reaches you in a very special way through this episode. This was all inspired when I came to my own crisis of faith. Uh, And I talked about it in the first episode on the vision space. And I was sharing, you know, in the first episode that how, you know, I like how could a good God be such a good God and abandon me? And I just was like, there's no way that a good God would be able or would leave me to deal with this on my own. Like, why would he just go away? And oh my goodness, there are actually a a number of things just flooding my mind right now that just, that helped me kind of come to a different perspective of seeing God and and, and his goodness to me. But uh, even you guys remember Mandisa, hey Mandisa, if you're tuning in, I'm waiting for you to return my call. I would love for you to come on the show. But uh, Mandisa's story about her friend Keisha and how she really believed that God was going to heal her and he didn't heal her and she shook her fist at God and just kind of slammed the door and was like, you know, how could you just, how could you not like, why, you know, why, why God, why, you know, and just closed the door. And she, you know, went into the, a three year depression of just not talking to God not talking to anyone really. And just isolating herself. When I was at the crossroads of me considering walking away from my faith, a very prominent Christian did the same. Uh, but he uh, he he went all the way. <laughs> I was I was kind of like on that teeter line of almost walking away. But um, this particular Christian walked away and his story got a lot of coverage and a lot of media. And his name is John Steingard. And he was the former lead singer of the Christian rock group Hawk Nelson. And John uh, released a statement on his Instagram account, and it's a pretty lengthy statement, but I feel like I need to read the entire statement because in reading it, I think it will resonate with those for whom this episode really is for. He posted this on May 20th, 2020, and it goes, this is not a post I ever thought I would write, but now I feel I really need to. I've agonized over whether to say this publicly, and if so, how to do it. But I now feel that it's less, import- it's less important how I do it, and more important that I do it. So here it goes. After growing up in a Christian home, being a pastor's kid, playing and singing in a Christian band, and having the word Christian in front of most of the things in my life, I'm now finding that I no longer believe in God. The last few words of that sentence were hard to write. I still find myself wanting to soften that statement by wording it differently and less specifically, but it wouldn't be as true. The process of getting to that sentence has been several years in the making. It didn't happen overnight or all of a sudden. It's been more like pulling on the threads of a sweater and one day discovering that there was no more sweater left. I have been terrified, to be honest, about this publicly for quite some time because of all that I thought I would lose. I'm scared. I'm still scared. But I'm writing about this now for a few reasons. Firstly, I simply can no longer avoid it. Processing this quietly felt right when I simply had doubts. But once they solidified into genuine point of views, it began to feel dishonest not to talk about it. Secondly, I've had private conversations with trusted friends about my doubts and discovered to my absolute shock that they are shared by nearly every close friend my age who also grew up in the church. I am stunned by the number of people in the visible positions within Christian circles that feel the same way as I do. Like me, they fear losing everything if they're open about it. 
I hope that my openness and transparency can be an encouragement to them and to you if you feel the same. Thirdly, I've got a whole lot less to lose now. The band isn't playing shows or making new music at the moment, and we've all found other work and careers to focus on for the time being. In order to make sure I'm able to keep providing for my family, that had to be the case before I could be totally honest. And that fact is one of the issues I have with the church and Christian culture in general. So if you're someone who follows me because of Hulk Nelson and my involvement in Christian music, you are probably thinking, wait, were you lying to me this whole time? Were you just pretending to be a Christian? What about all those songs you wrote? Did you mean those? The short answer is that I was not lying. I did believe those things at the time. I may have been pulling on the threads of the sweater, but there was still some sweater left back then. So what did this sweater thread pulling process look like then? Okay, let's get into it. I grew up in a loving Christian home. My dad was a pastor and still is. And as far back as I can remember, life was all about the church. It was our community. It was our family. It feels important to point out that church wasn't something we went to once a week. It was more like something we came home to as often as possible. After bravely venturing out into the world, when necessary, it wasn't part of our life. It was our life. When you grow up in a community that holds a shared belief, and that shared belief isn't so incredibly central to everything, you simply adopt it. Everyone I was close to believed in God, accepted Jesus into their hearts, prayed for signs and wonders, and participated in church, youth groups, conferences, and ministry. So I did too. I became interested in music, began playing and singing in worship teams, and started leading worship at church and youth events. Even then, I remember being uncomfortable with certain things. Praying in public always felt like some kind of weird performance art. Emotional cries, such as the Holy Spirit come fill this place, always felt clunky and awkward leaving my lips. A youth conference I attended encouraged every teen to sign a pledge that they would date Jesus for a year. It felt manipulative and unsettling to me. I didn't sign it. I figure I was overthinking all things. This was the beginning of my doubt, and I began to develop the reflex to simply push it down and soldier on. After all, everyone I knew and loved believed in God, Jesus, and the Bible, so I felt it must be true. At the age of 20, I joined Hawk Nelson and began touring with the band. It was a blast. Our music wasn't overtly Christian, but as time went on, we became more outspoken about our faith and our music. To be fair, I was one of the loudest voices pushing for that shift because I believed it would lead to more success in the Christian music world. When I became the lead singer and main songwriter in 2012, the shift was fully realized. We went from singing songs like Bring Em Out to songs like Drops in the Ocean. Google the lyrics. The difference is not subtle. Even through this shift, there was still many things about Christian culture that made me uncomfortable. In fact, the list was growing. There were things that just didn't make sense to me. If God is all loving and all powerful, why is there evil in the world? Can he not do anything about it? Does he choose not to? Is the evil in the world a result of his desire to give us free will? Okay, then what about famine and disease and floods and all of the suffering that isn't caused by humans and our free will? If God is loving, why does he send people to hell? My whole life, people always said, you have to go back to what the Bible says. I found, however, that consulting and discussing the Bible didn't answer my questions. It only amplified them. Why does God seem so pissed off in the most of the Old Testament and then all of a sudden he's a loving father in the New Testament? 
Why does he say not to kill, but then instructs Israel to turn around and kill men, women, and children to take the promised land? Why does God let Job suffer horrible things just to win a bet with Satan? Why does he tell Abraham to kill his son, more killing again, and then basically say, just kidding, that was a test? Why does God have to die for our sins, more killing again? If God can do anything, can't he forgive without someone dying? I mean, my parents taught me to forgive people. Nobody dies in that scenario. I was raised to believe that the Bible was the perfect word of God. Sure, it was written by human beings, but those people were divinely inspired, and we can consider the words they wrote to be the word of God. I began to have questions and doubts about that. It seemed like there were a lot of contradictions in the Bible that didn't make sense. I don't want to get into deep in the weeds here, so I'll leave the details for another time. Suffice it all to say that when I began to believe that the Bible was simply a book written by people as flawed and imperfect as I am, that was when my belief in God truly began to unravel. During a vacation to Mexico with my wife's family, I had a revealing conversation with my father-in-law, who is also a pastor. Like my dad, he is a loving father. He is patient and sincere and believes in God with all his heart. I was asking about a verse in 1 Timothy that seems really oppressive of women. It indicates that women shouldn't be in church leadership, shouldn't teach men, and shouldn't wear their hair in braids. To me, that seemed less like the message of the loving God that most Christians believe in now, and more like the ideas that would have been present in the culture at the time, a male-dominated society where women were treated less like equals and more like property. My father-in-law asked me if I had been reading the King James Version because he felt that the King James had put his own spin on a, not, a lot of things and that version couldn't fully be trusted. You have to go back to the original Greek, he said. That is something I've heard a lot over the years. I asked him, so it sounds like you believe that modern translations can't fully be trusted because they are human, flawed, and imperfect? I am simply taking that thought to its next natural conclusion, that the original Greek is also human, flawed, and imperfect, and also can't be fully trusted. He replied, well, if you believe that, what do you have left? I said, exactly. Once I found that I didn't believe the Bible was the perfect word of God, it didn't take long to realize that I was no longer sure he was there at all. That thought terrified me. It sent me into a tailspin. The implications of that of that idea were absolutely massive. I began to ask myself, what now? Over the past year, I've occasionally mentioned publicly my struggles with depression. This is what really kicked that off. What do you do when the rug is pulled out from under your feet, when you find yourself no longer believing the thing at the core of how you see yourself and the world? What do I teach my own children? If I'm honest about this, will all my Christian friends abandon me? Will this alienate me from my family? Will this leave me with nothing? Those are all questions that led me into a very dark place for a while. I felt like I've mostly emerged from that dark place now because I've discovered that life really does go on. I have trusted friends that know this about me and love me always. My family is showing me incredible love and support, even though I know this grieves them. While I know I can no longer stand on stage and in good conscience sing songs like Drops in the Ocean, I no longer fear losing my place in Christian music. I know this means giving it up voluntarily. I am ready to be transparent and open. I think that open part is key. I'm open to the idea that God is there. I'd prefer it if he was. I suspect if he is there, he is very different than what I thought. 
I know my parents pray that God reveals himself to me. If he's there, I hope he does. Until then, I feel like the best thing I can do is be honest. Stepping away from belief in God has felt like a loss in some ways, but it feels like freedom in others. Jess and I both always had this sense that we weren't doing enough of the things we were supposed to do as Christians. We didn't enjoy going to church. We didn't enjoy reading the Bible. We didn't enjoy praying. We didn't enjoy worship. It all felt like obligation and our lack of enthusiasm about those things always made us feel like something was wrong with us. Now, I don't believe anything was wrong with us. We simply didn't believe, and we were too afraid to admit that to ourselves. So in that sense, we had tremendous sense of relief now. I'm hoping that writing this contributes to that relief. As I've processed these thoughts and feelings over the past year or so, I've avoided writing online about matters of faith. I didn't want to pretend to believe anything I didn't believe, but I also didn't want to rock the boat. I am not sure how much this will rock the boat. I don't know if this will surprise anyone, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that I finally worked up the courage to tell my story, to share my deepest truth, and that feels like freedom too. It's going to be 72 degrees here in San Diego today. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. No sweater needed. Now, what John said there is a lot to unbox, and we can really double-click on it, but I'm not going to get too deep in it. But I do want to get to what his bandmates also said in response to his statement coupled into what john shared in his uh, his crisis of faith and and really wanting to walk away from it i know for me at least personally the 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 conflicts that i had with faith was um there were just public displays of awkwardness and weirdness within the church that just never set well with me i had a few traumatic experiences with churches as well and dealing with people that just made me want to just walk away and I want to deal with it. And I've always had this dissonance of not really feeling like I belong to certain churches because of the different questionable positions that the church has taken on different social issues. Um, I never thought that I would be in a position where I would question everything. And I loved what Erica Campbell said, who is one half of Mary Mary. And she had said in a Buzzfeed video where she was, she's, she's a pastor. She's married to uh, Warren Campbell. And she said, you know, the church hurt that, that happens is, you know, when people have a negative experience with somebody who calls himself a Christian and they say, well, because you have hurt me and because you don't understand me or because you don't get me, well then whatever it is that you're claiming or professing that you believe is also not going to work for me. So because you got it wrong, he's going to get it wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to remove myself from this. I'm going to walk away from this. In Mandisa's instance, it was she prayed to God and God didn't heal Mandisa's friend the way in which Mandisa thought that God would. And that just caused her to shut down. For me, I was, you know, on the cusp of rising, rising, rising. And then all of a sudden, just the, the rug was pulled out from me, as John had said. Now, if you're having those questions and if you have uh, those thoughts, I'm going to also just go in with John's family and say, I do believe that God will reveal himself to you. I do believe that you will have uh, an experience or um, an encounter with God that will make you see his his realness in the earth. And I want to read to you the statement that his bandmates issued. It says, John Steingart. One of our best friends, one with whom we have walked, worked, and lived alongside for 20 plus years, revealed some of his innermost feelings on his faith journey this past week. 
Our mission at Hawk Nelson has always been to inspire and encourage all people with the truth that God is for them and not against them. And that message is most simple and purest form that they matter. So now we turn that truth toward one of our own, that God is still for John and he still matters. Why? Because that truth doesn't change just because we question it. How we treat one another when they are at a different stage in their journey based on their life experiences is part of a bigger conversation. We are called to love one another unconditionally as God loves us. We should also encourage and challenge one another in our faith seeking truth. Are we the authors of our own salvation and eternity? Has God provided a way to salvation for us through Jesus? These are all questions that we each must ask and explore. In the Bible, Romans 8.38, Paul writes, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither our fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he gives richly to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ever thankful and grateful for how God has used this band, the music, and the relationships, and how he continues to do so. Signed, Daniel, Micah, and David. And I absolutely love that. And I think that's just my position as well when it comes to John. And maybe if you are in that position where you maybe believed or you considered believing and you didn't want it, you walked away from it. I do believe that God will, will reveal himself to each and every one of us. And those are all questions that we have to have ourselves. And I think as a Christian, why I'm just so frustrated and faithing it is, you know, I, I, and this is just completely me speaking candidly. Okay. I believe that God does not give us free will to then use our free will to force someone else to do something. I believe, you know, when Jesus walked the earth and Jesus is somebody who has been historically proven to be here, when he walked this earth, it was an open invitation. It was always, you know, you can follow me. Would you like to follow me? It was an invitation. You know, this is what you can do. Believe on me and you will have eternal life. There was never a force about it. There was never a staunchingness about it. And I believe that there are just a number of Christians who have gotten the concept and understanding of the word love completely out of context. So I don't have all my stuff together. And I think at one point in my life, I would say that I was a very self-righteous, religious, uh, legalistic and Pharisee like judgmental Christian where, oh, my goodness, you cuss. You're going to go to hell. Oh, my goodness, you drink. You're going to go like I mean. There was just so much legalism in it. And I think now in this day and age as a Christian, I just want to focus on loving people and loving God and meeting people right where they are, because that's what Jesus did. And as Tim said last week on the show, you know, Jesus, he went into the mess with people. He didn't let the mess become a part of him. He went in the mess to change it and to give people an option and a hope, but he gave it as an option. He never, he never made it a mandatory thing that anyone had to do. It's for whosoever. And so as we are all preparing our hearts for Easter and this holiday season and Holy Week, may you reconsider that there is something bigger out there. Um, he is all-knowing, all-loving, all-encompassing, and he has an amazing plan for your life. That was a heavy episode, and that was a lot to unbox. But I hope that you will... Understand that if you have had questions about your faith or where you stand in your faith, 
you're not alone and you're not the only person. But I also want to encourage you with the fact that if you are wrestling with the belief or if you are struggling with walking away from it, I don't think that that is a coincidence. And I do believe that that is God making his appeal to you to reconsider just being in the fold with him. He has such an amazing plan for you, as it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, thoughts of hope to give you a future and an expected and an outcome. And I hope that you will take hold of that. Let's continue this conversation next week because I kind of skimmed over some things and I want to dig a little bit deeper. So next week, we will go a little bit deeper in the Christian space with talking about our frustrations and why we're faithing it and how can we're barely making it. And of course, I'm going to be leaving a number of the things that I talked about today, Hawk Nelson, John Steingart, Pastor Erica Campbell, all of those statements and comments will be in the episode's description. But until we resume our conversations, I want you to remember to keep unboxing your life one blank space at a time, living undaunted, knowing you're unbreakable and embracing the reality that you're simply a treasure that's unfinished because you have been redeemed, restored, and reclaimed. That is a fact. Life is always best lived outside the box. Stay free, my friend, and I'll see you next week.